Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, where we speak with the founders, CEOs, and C-suite from the world's most recognizable brands. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. If somebody came on and they said, hey, you know, I have, I have a couple million dollars and I want to open 20 coder schools, I immediately say no. You know, that's not, I'm not looking for somebody who's looking to throw money at it. I'm looking for somebody who's looking to throw their heart into it. But other than that, you know, I just look for somebody who's a good communicator, somebody who sounds like somebody I would have a beer with, because that's not only important for me as a franchise or franchisee relationship, but that's important for them uh, to have the relationship with the, uh, with, the, with the clients, with the parents that come in. While franchising is certainly a popular way of creating personal wealth, some entrepreneurs see the business model as a way of giving back much more than just financial returns. This is certainly the case for Hansel Lin, CEO and founder of the Coda School, who uses his lifestyle franchise as a way to pursue a rewarding career. Founded in 2014 and headquartered in Silicon Valley, the Coda School combines a small teaching ratio with an individualized immersion style to help kids learn to code. And considering that coding will be the foundation for many of tomorrow's most in-demand roles, franchises like this one are becoming increasingly popular with tech-savvy parents. So, you know, I, I have been uh, technology for, for a good while, 15, 20 years or something, and I just wanted to do something different, go out and do something on my own, doing a number of things at the time. But what really sort of made me think about the coding side is uh, uh, my own kids. You know, my oldest uh, now is 18. Uh, they're actually non-binary, so they, they go by they, them. Okay. And about, you know, seven or eight years ago, I really, you know, I, I was in technology at the time. So I thought, hey, let, let me get, let me get this, uh, uh, you know, this coding thing under under the belt of my uh, oldest here. Her name, uh, their name is Miley. And so my, uh, I set Miley on this um, online, uh, you know, coding learning thing. Uh, I think it was Khan Academy at the time. That was the only thing available. Um, they breezed right through it. And I thought, wow, you must be a coding master. But as I asked them more and more questions, you know, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? They were like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just got to click the buttons and got to the end. <laughs> uh, and so that's what made me realize, wow, these these uh, these online things, they don't really teach you a lot. They just get you to the end and, you know, say you're done. So I realized that you really need a person sure. uh, to, to teach the kids, you know, a little give and take, something and challenge them, give them the answers when they need it. And, uh, you know, have that mentor relationship. Um, and, and so that's really how it came about. You know, back seven or eight years ago, I, uh, I had just come out of tech, uh, the tech world. Uh, I was actually running a, a kid's education business called School of Rock. And, uh, you know, here in Silicon Valley, which is where I live in Palo Alto, they had no place to teach kids to code. So that just sort of became the trifecta, you know, it all kind of lined up for me. And I thought I just had to do it. Right. So that's where it came from. And um, and just on that note of you previously being a School of Rock franchisee, I was wondering whether, you know, your experience within that position and managing a franchise location um, assisted you to kind of shape the culture for franchisees at your own venture, because you, of course, have that, you know, firsthand experience of that side of things. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I love School of Rock. I think it's a great system. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I learned from it is is how to teach kids through uh, through immersion, essentially, just just by doing uh, you know, one of the things we used to say to the parents there is when your kids come in, we would just ask them, hey, you know, what kind of music do you like? Uh, and they might say, you know, ACDC or Taylor Swift or whatever. And we would just say, put your fingers there, there and there and strum the guitar and boom, you got a song. You know, you, won't, you know, we, we don't teach them the scales or we, we barely even need to tell them the, the, the name of the chord or whatever. We're just just play it. 
And so the idea is once a kid can do that, they get uh, engaged much faster because they think, hey, now I can play a real song. And so that sort of uh, style of uh, immersion teaching uh, is really what we push a lot here at the Coder School. So we don't we don't try to say, you know, first you got to learn variables and then you got to learn this and whatnot. Let's just say, hey, let's just build a game. You know, what do you like? Do you, do you like football? Let's just make a football game. And, you know, we just kind of walk the kids through it and they get really engaged by building a game quickly. Um, and then the learning comes later. You know, once kids get engaged and once they're having fun, they're like, oh, hey, how do, how do I do that? Then we start talking about variables and whatnot. So that that immersion learning was really a, a huge thing that I got out of school. Rock. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, being able to visualize kind of the end product would motivate you, as you say, to sort of work out how to reach that point, as opposed to having this sort of fairly intangible idea of where things are eventually going. Exactly. I just wanted to dive into Hansel, the kind of the the motivation and ethos, I suppose, behind the Coder School. Um, you've mentioned in the past how running a lifestyle business such as this one is about more than just making money. Um, and I wondered whether you'd be able to elaborate on that a little bit for us. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I, I think that's just like a per- personal philosophy of mine. And I, I uh, living in, in Silicon Valley, it's kind of funny because it's, it's the opposite philosophy of a lot of people <laughs> around here. It's all about money. But, you know, money is great, right? We all need money to survive, pay our bills and whatnot. But uh, in the end, I, I think it's it's really that life balance is, is really most important, you know. So I, I try not to chase money. I, I try to chase my best life. I figure at the end of your life, you're probably not going to look back and be like, oh, I wish I made more money. But you might be like, oh, I wish I started a business or I wish I saw the Eiffel Tower. I wish I finished the Ironman or whatever it is. It's more experience related usually uh, than about money. And so the way I run this company, I, uh, I, I'm i just super fortunate that I get to work with uh, my, my best friend. His name is Wayne. He and I run this company together. Uh, I brought him in you know, shortly after we, I, I started. And everything is, you know, we've been best friends since way before I started this. And it was when we do uh, trips to go to see our schools, for example, they're, they're not even business trips. They're like guys trips. You know, they, we, we go to New York and we're like, hey, let's go see the Statue of Liberty before we go, you know, t- you know, go, go talk to the, the, the guys at the school. So um, that kind of lifestyle is, is huge. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, we'll have an investor come to us and say, hey, do you, do you want to take some chips off the table? Uh, you know, interested in buying you guys, that kind of thing. And when I first, we, we, our first thought is always, huh, that's cool. We could get some money out of it, <laughs> you know, first instinct. But then our, our second thought is, you know what, that would totally throw off our lifestyle. You know, we wouldn't be able to do all the things that we do. We'd have an investor telling us to, uh, you know, build faster or do this, do that or whatnot. So even though the first instinct is, hey, that's kind of cool money, I think, I think in the end, it's, it's, it's always about, hey, what's, what's best for your life? How, how do you look back and, and, and really say you had a great life? Yeah, that's really great to hear. And it certainly sounds like there's a lot of, you know, integrity backing up the brand. And that kind of comes quite nicely onto my next question for you, Hansel, which is just about the the growth of the Coder School and how you handle that. Um, I know that you're a strong proponent for steady growth rather than, for example, opening as many locations as quickly as possible. Um, and I just wondered how you kind of qualify your franchisee candidates to ensure that they're a solid fit for your network. And I suppose secondary to that, um, what kind of deals you often sign, for example, the likes of, you know, direct franchising, expansive multi-unit sort of agreements what do you normally go for uh yeah yeah right well i mean i i actually i don't really have a secret sauce here and i wish i did uh you know if you do let me know (laughs) but uh you know qualifying my candidates it's it's really about um to me it's much more about the relationship sure so like you said it's kind of back to the money thing you know if if somebody came on and they said hey you know i have i have a couple million dollars and i want to open 20 coder schools i immediately say no you know that's not I'm not looking for somebody who's looking to throw money at it. 
I'm looking for somebody who's looking to throw their heart into it. But other than that, you know, I just look for somebody who's a good communicator, somebody who sounds like somebody I would have a beer with, uh, somebody who sounds down to earth, because that's not only important for me as a franchise or franchisee relationship, but that's important for them uh, to have the relationship with the, uh, with the, with the clients, with the parents that come in. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's really just a, it's it's a series of conversations, you know. Do, do you seem like a cool guy? You know that that's how I qualify him <laughs> uh, best I can, right? As well as those, as well as those sort of interpersonal, you know, skills that allow you to build those relationships with your franchisees. Um, do you find that most of your operators have this sort of pre-existing understanding of coding, or is that something that can be sort of taught as they come on board? Well, the best part is, uh, you know, so it's it's actually. It's not really a technology business in that sense. We're more of a sure. uh, staffing business, right? So, so our our owners don't necessarily do the teaching. Uh, we hire folks to do the teaching, right? So, but our owners need to, you know, they need to know enough technology to be dangerous, right? So we can teach them. We, we teach them all the languages, uh, what they mean, and and uh, you know the buzzwords. But we don't teach them how to code, and and, and you don't need to know it, right? You're there at a sales level. Yeah. Um, so I'd say well over half of our owners are, are not technical. Uh, but they're just good people and they're good business people. Okay, well, that's that's um, that's good to know. So uh, if we could talk a little about the the sort of um, aftermath, I guess, hopefully by this point of the pandemic, you know, we're not as much in the weeds at the minute, but there's still the aftershocks of that entire um, period being felt. Um, was the code of school the kind of concept that was able to continue remotely during the pandemic? Or were you forced to sort of change or pause your operations during the last few years? Well, certainly, I think like almost every business out there, we were forced to change, right? Because the world changed. Um, sure. Lucky for us, uh, our, our core philosophy is that the way we teach kids is very custom. So this immersion style requires a very low ratio. So we only have uh, two kids to every one uh, code coach, um, which is the name of which is what we call our instructors. And so because we have such a low ratio, we were able to go online and teach uh, with Zoom fairly seamlessly. Um now, parents, of course, were freaking out, right? Just like we all were. Nobody knew what was going to go on with the pandemic. And so certainly we lost a, a good deal of business. But the product was pretty similar. Um, and so once I think once the parents figured out, hey, this pandemic is, is what it is and it's going to be with us for a while, you know, we started getting them back. And we a lot of times we were just teaching, you know, everybody online. There's there's a good chunk of time where all of our thousands of students were being taught to online only. Uh, so we're trying to shift back from that now. We all, we've always felt like uh, physical, you know, in-person teaching is the best way to go. Uh, but we'll always have this online teaching uh, with this, you know, small ratio uh, pretty much forever. And um, tech and franchising are two worlds, Hansel, that are, you know, increasingly combining on this podcast. We've spoken to lots of operators from industries very different to your own who have been in great integrating technology further with their franchise. Um, but your business, of course, the Coding School by its sheer nature is kind of built entirely on or at least with uh, technology in mind. Um, and I was wondering what kind of digital features you might have incorporated to make the lives of your franchisees easier, for example, the likes of, you know, bespoke CRM systems or class management systems, sort of things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of have a twofold answer to that. I, I think first is that a lot of folks think of us as as very sort of tech-centric business or, or something built right. on technology. And the fact is, we are actually the opposite of that. Um, the way we, we uh, train our folks, actually, one of the first training slides we have is that we're not a technology company, we're a brick and mortar. So we kind of go backwards in time. I, I think of like the time when uh, back way in the day, you'd go into a grocery store and there'd be somebody who actually, a clerk, who's like, hey, what would you like? And you say, oh, you know, can of beans or whatever. And they say, well, you can have this can of beans or that can of beans. And they like explain the differences. That's kind of who we are, you know. 
versus, you know, today you have those Amazon Go stores. You don't even have a clerk. You just walk in and out. That's not what we are, right? We're back to the brick and mortar where it's all about the relationship. Uh, you know, let's meet somebody at the school. Let's talk to the parent. Let's explain everything um, and have it not based on technology. So we really are. I, I feel like we're really more of a brick and mortar kind of business. Uh, on the other side of it, uh, the back end, right, where we're not talking to the parents, that is all based on a lot of technology, like like any franchise, right? The CRM systems, all kinds of stuff back there. Uh, I'm lucky in the sense that I, I'm a coder myself, and, and so is my business partner, Wayne. And almost all the utilities now that we use are, are in-house coded, custom utilities. And so, you know, CRM systems, for example, um, we have a custom one that's uh, specifically made for the way we have our relationships with our clients and the way our business works versus something like a salesforce.com or a Zoho where we would buy it, it's very generic, right? And so so part of my reasoning was, hey, let's let's get something that's very specific to our workflow. And hey, since I coded it, I can change it to whatever, you know, fits us best. So I think that ability to sort of make our own, you know, utilities use using technology to, to help our franchisees, I think is really powerful. Yeah, no, I imagine a lot of franchisors would, you know, wish for the ability to be able to just create their own CRMs. So that's certainly a, a beneficial <laughs> position that you're in there. Um, my my last question for you, Hansa, was just kind of looking at the the future of the industry for the rest of the months of this year and ahead. Do you think that the pandemic has fundamentally uh, changed the education franchise landscape, or do you think that we'll kind of see a return to the status quo established in those far off pre pandemic years? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think the education landscape is getting pretty close to what it was before. I, I I personally think as as parents, you know, it's all about the kids. You know, we're all about family, and uh, you know, if we have disposable income, we're probably going to spend on our kids. So uh, we're seeing that bounce back now. Um, I hope that one of the things that came out of the pandemic is this a little bit more of a focus on tech, right? Uh, one of the reasons we we all uh, you know did okay during the pandemic is technology. You know we're able to zoom a lot more. You know people can work online. All that stuff is made possible because of coders. You know some coders somewhere coded Zoom. You know otherwise we 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 couldn't meet. We couldn't do this podcast right. I'm, I'm across the world from you. So uh, what I hope is that pandemic has has really pushed that message uh, to people to say, hey, technology is that important. You know it, it's going to solve worldwide problems. And so to have our kids not know it is kind of crazy <laughs> because there's going to be even more and more technology, you know, as, as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, so so that's why there's such a big push, I think, for technology for kids. So hopefully this helps. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, thank you very much again, Hansel, for joining us today. And very excited to see what's next from you guys in the months ahead. Awesome. Thanks uh, so much, Garen, for inviting me on. One of the most surprising things I learned during our conversation with Hansel was that he wouldn't classify the Coda School as a tech business. His categorization of the brand as a brick-and-mortar people-first business really showcases the importance of human connections, even within a brand that, from the outside, would appear almost entirely based on the digital world. It was also enlightening to hear Hansel's philosophy about the pursuit of money within franchising, or the lack thereof. Naturally, the financial gains of owning a business like this are a consideration for most operators, but this is a brand that's built on the foundation of giving back. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. What motivates your business, and how do you showcase that to prospective franchisees? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods.
to keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts subscribe to the magazine hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on twitter facebook and linkedin today